So I grew up in a small rural town right outside of Canton, Ohio. So we had, there was a lot of neighborhood kids in the area, and we all just kind of hung out with each other. We'd play football, baseball, go sled riding, climb trees, play in the creek, and just generally do what neighborhood kids do. Being in this rural community, we would run out of things to do, and boredom would set in. So we would get creative with our play. There were many farms in our neighborhood that raised cattle either for milking or for food. So being the kids that we were, we'd go into the fields that the cattle were kept in. We'd run around the field or ride our bikes amongst the cows just to do something different. There were a few occasions that we even played cow patty tag. Yeah, yes, I know. Uh, the worst part, though, was when you get hit in the face. <laughs> yeah, we would try to get close to the cows to pet them, but really, truth be told, we wanted to tip them over while they were sleeping. But they ran, always ran away from us. Not sure I blame them, though. It was by a stroke of luck that we didn't get cha chased by the bull. None of them would ever let us get close though. We would start walking slowly towards them and they would turn and run away. We didn't want to hurt them. I just wanted to tip them. <laughs> then when we see all the cows at once start walking toward the barn. So why would, why would they do this all at once? Do they have watches on their hooves? Well, of course not. What would happen is the farmer would call the cows from the barn and the cows would respond to this call because they knew his voice. So this whole scene was intriguing to me as a kid because we would try to get close to these animals and could not. And then we'd see this farmer just call them and they responded with no hesitation. So why do I bring this up? In order to understand what the prophet Jeremiah was saying in our first reading, we need to know how well-treated animals respond to their master. Jeremiah's prophecy was written towards the end of the rule of King Zedekiah of Judah, who against the prophet Jeremiah made alliance with Egypt to rebel against Babylon. As a result, Jerusalem was destroyed and the people exiled into Babylon. So Jeremiah was speaking to a farming people. He knew they understood how the animals of a good farmer would follow him by only the sound of his voice, and how only a bad farmer would allow his animals to wander and get lost. His message to the leaders of Israel was a strong one. You are failing in your duty. Your people are lost. God will send good shepherds to Judah to take care of the flock of Judah. But most importantly, the first reading tells us that the Lord will send a good shepherd to save them, a shepherd who the sheep will love and follow. The second reading tells us that it is through the body and blood of Jesus Christ, it is through his cross, it is through his death and resurrection, in the giving of the Holy Spirit 
that the Gentiles are united with the Jews, and the Gentiles and Jews are united with God the Father. Christ paid for us with his own blood, his own life, on that cross for every one of us. We are those sheep. We are lost. And we are listening for our master's voice, ready to run to him when we hear it, ready to return to his flock. And when we have returned to his flock, we, like the disciples, are called to be shepherds. We are called to look after the sheep that have not yet heard his voice. We are called to live a challenging and busy life in the service of the Good Shepherd, in the service of every person, to every sheep in his flock. And it is during these busy and challenging times that we join the 12 disciples in Mark's Gospel today. It is good that we only hear this Gospel passage of Scripture and not hearing what comes after it. Why? Because what follows is the feeding of the 5,000. But here we have a few simple lines about the disciples returning to Jesus, a promise of some quiet time, and the introduction of a large crowd miles from home. And we know from last week's readings from Mark that Jesus sent the disciples out to preach repentance, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. We also know that they took very little with them, relying on the Lord to provide for them. It must have been a hard and marvelous journey for them though, and they returned tired and in need of rest. We who are Jesus' disciples today have also been sent to share the gospel with others. Perhaps our commitment to following Jesus as his disciple leaves us feeling tired and overwhelmed. In today's gospel, we hear Jesus affirm the importance of times of rest and renewal. Jesus wanted his disciples to come away and spend time alone with him, to be refreshed by spending time with our Lord. This is what we seek and find in our life of prayer in our celebration of the Most Holy Eucharist. As Christians, we have been called to do the Lord's work. It's a wonderful job and it's a demanding job, and sometimes we get tired. Family demands can make us feel like Jesus and the 12 apostles. Any parent recognizes how quickly the day can get busy and how quickly it becomes something that is not your own anymore. You wake up and boom, you have to do things for others. We wish for times of relaxation and renewal, but there are errands to do household chores to keep up with, and volunteer commitments to meet. We are constantly at the service of other people. And this could go for most people, not just parents. It is great to serve and, do, and to do things for others, but we need the time to take for rest. Jesus wants us to come and spend time with him alone, to be refreshed by spending time with our Lord, listening and praying. You may even find yourself having empathy for the disciples since their promise of some quiet time disappeared when they saw the large crowd waiting for them on the shore. When they arrived and saw the crowds, they were ready though. We don't know what happened on the boat, but we do know the disciples spent a journey in the company of Jesus 
And that seems to be all that they needed. This can be a great example for us all. The Lord's work is never done, and we need to be ready to answer the work he is calling us to do. We are the sheep, shepherds, brothers and sisters of our Lord. We can do wonderful things with Christ. And like the disciples in today's gospel, we get tired. And sometimes we do not have time to stop. But as long as Jesus is with us, the journey on the boat is all that we need. Jesus wants to give us peace. But what is peace? It means in part, having freedom from disturbance and anxiety. As Christ, as Christ inspired St. Paul to write in Philippians 4, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus wants to teach us wisdom and give us the courage that we need to live it. Christ, teaching through the church and its scriptures, proclaims to us truths that the world does not know and isn't going to teach us. Jesus not only tells us how to live well, but empowers us to do it through the Holy Spirit that's alive within us. Jesus wants to give us the bread we need. Here in a few moments, we will be receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ through the Holy Eucharist. In addition to that, Jesus not only provides for us on this day at church, he provides for us all week long when we are out into the world. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And in our lives, this is not just food, but whatever it is that we may need. Christ is rich and wants to give us good things. If we are frugal and generous, he will provide for us with everything that we need. And we know there is a lot of hopelessness in our world today, along with where the world is headed. But as Christians, we are called to live our lives with hope and with hope in the world we live in. Bad things will happen in our lives, but how much better will it be to go through this trial with Christ, knowing that on the other side, things will be better and brighter. We should be a people full of hope. We live in a broken world, but man is broken more by sin. So let me give you an example. Give two sisters identical dolls, or give two brothers identical trucks. What happens? A short time later, you might come back to find them fighting over the exact same toy. So even if you are handed everything, if, so if you handed everyone in, on earth everything that they ever wanted, there would never be peace. The problem is not out there somewhere in the world. The problems are always within man, within our own hearts. Money can do good things, but wealth is not our salvation. Good laws can help people. We know politics are not our salvation. There is only one who is our salvation, and we know that is Christ. Christ is real and active with power out in the world, but he tends to work from the inside out. That is to say, 
The kind of change that he is interested in usually begins within us, within our souls. Christ first changes us eternally, and then through us, he transforms the world. He wants to give us a trusting peace inside so we can live with freedom. He wants us to be content inside to help curb our overconsumption. But first and foremost, he wants us to be in prayer. Prayer is the most important thing we can do as Catholics. We must pray every single day. Daily prayer is the means to our conversion. Daily prayer is the first step to transforming our world. And daily prayer is to the key to realizing our hopes for this life and the next. So let me end with this. Over the last eight, 10 months, we've been talking about the Real Presence, Real Future initiative that Bishop Brennan has brought to the Diocese of Columbus. This initiative focuses on looking to the future of our diocese based on the needs of parishioners today, including the cultural needs and the desire to form and enable Catholics in fulfilling their baptismal promise of becoming missionaries in, in their everyday life. Over this past Lent, the diocese had asked all parishioners to take the Disciple Maker Index. The survey provides an opportunity, us, opportunity for us to reflect on our own spiritual growth, including how well the parish is meeting our own spiritual needs. There were four areas the survey examined, attitudes and beliefs, participation, overall satisfaction, and demographics. So I'd like to give you a few of the results for our parish that you may find interesting. St. Francis had over 44% of our parishioners respond to the survey. This is compared to the diocese, which had an overall rate of 30%, and nationally, the percentage is between seven and 10%. We're blessed here at St. Francis, and it shows in our strengths. The top three results from the survey are significantly higher than the average scores of parishes throughout the diocese and the rest of the country. So a 2019 Pew's research poll shows that 31% of Catholics believe that the Eucharist really is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And this is compared to St. Francis, Francis, which shows that 86% of those who responded believe in the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist. We also have a strong relationship within our community along with pastorally. Over 85% recommend our pastor. Earlier I told him 100% recommended the deacons. Of course, they didn't ask that question, but I'm assuming that's what it would be if they did, so. 86% <laughs> would recommend our school, and 84% feel like they are welcomed and accepted here as a parishioner. Over 76% say they are provided with love and support in times of need. We also have a deep commitment to prayer and devotion. Over 92 parishioners pray regularly. Over 66% participate in different devotions such as the Rosary or Novenas. And over 47% attend adoration at least once a month. 
But even with all these strengths, we have areas that can be improved. As a parish, we need to provide more opportunities for parishioners to attend a retreat at least once a year. Attending a retreat will help us recharge spiritually and will help show what God is calling for us to do. Also, 72% of parishioners have indicated they are not confident in sharing their faith with others. We have a newly formed evangelization working group here at St. Francis that is researching the best tools and resources to help us feel more confident in sharing our faith. We all know that we have a priest shortage. Without our priests, there is no celebration of mass, which means no Eucharist. Over 43% of our active diocesan priests are over the age of 60. This number is expected to fall over the next 10 plus years. Over 80% 80, 80 of respondents said they have never invited someone to consider the priesthood or religious life. Well, in my own discernment, it only took someone mentioning, hey, have you ever looked into the diaconate? It planted that little seed that eventually took hold and I started the process. We'll be having more conversations about vocations and we'll have vocation discernment tools available soon. So what does all this mean for us here at St. Francis? It means that we are on the right track. We offer many opportunities for spiritual growth for both the community and for individuals. We offer opportunities for men, women, youth, families, and singles. Please take advantage of the many offerings that are available to you. God wants to give us a rich and spiritual life. We just need to be open to his call. So as we continue our celebration, let us come away with the Lord and rest a while, and through his body and blood, find the strength that we need to continue to do his work. Like the cows running towards the farmer's voice, we need to come running when we hear Christ. As long as we are following his voice, we will be able to avoid being tipped.